everyone. Welcome back to our podcast, Very Factual. We're your hosts, Kayla. And Isabella. And after failing to win any early Saturday games last season, Liverpool ended their lunchtime curse in a 1-3 comeback against Wolves. Wolves got the early lead in the game as Huang Hee Chan found space at the back post just in seven minutes. With the likes of Virgil van Dijk, Trent Alexander-Arnold missing in their back line, and Ibrahima Kanate not starting, Liverpool looked quite shaky. Gary O'Neill's side took advantage of the struggling Liverpool in the first half. After the break, Liverpool recharged and brought in some energy. Ten minutes later, Cody Gakpo equalized, giving Liverpool a lifeline. Andrew Robertson scored the winner with five minutes of normal time to go in his 200th Liverpool appearance. The third goal of the game in injury time came as Harvey Elliott's shot came off Bueno after Salah completed a hat-trick of assists. Um, This game... The first half was a bit of a scare for Liverpool. I mean, they went down in not even the like the first seven minutes. That was very scary. And I think not having their main back line, like when I think of Liverpool, I am a major fan of their mm-hmm. defensive line. Like Trent, Alexander-Arnold, Virgil van Dijk, uh, Joel Matip, he has not been re- like in form. And we saw that Klopp kind of prefers Kanate now. Um, and also Andrew Robertson. And I really love their backline and not having that and having Joe Gomez. And there was another player that I was not familiar with playing um, in their backline. And I think, you know, not having their main kind of, what's the word? Put them at a disadvantage. And I'm, I'm speaking of advantages, I'm really surprised how Wolves took advantage. Like Pedro Neto looked amazing down the mm-hmm. left wing incredible and then in the second half Liverpool got this refresh and they bounced back completely and there was uh, in the press conference this week Jurgen Klopp was actually complaining about how Liverpool always get the early 12:30 games um obviously since they just came back from international break obviously it's going to be harder because you haven't seen your players for a while like he didn't see Luis Diaz and Darwin Nunez for like a day before the game so, yeah, I get that you don't like the early games, but you can't really change it. Like, you can't have, like, special privilege. Yeah. <laughs> like, like play the game, and then they ha- they didn't win any of their early ones last year, like I mentioned, and I think they broke their curse. Sheffield United played Tottenham at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium on Friday. Tottenham just barely won 2-1 to one in this action-filled match. First half remained 0-0. Zero to zero. And the second half rolled around and Hamar scored for Sheffield in the 73rd minute. The pressure was on for Spurs and they went after Sheffield's defense with a total of 28 shots. However, Spurs couldn't finish and the 90th minute was cutting close. It was until the 12 minutes of stoppage time that was added that Spurs could make a comeback. Substitute Richarlson got the equalizer in the 8th minute of stoppage time. And just two minutes later, Kulisifat... Kulisovski <laughs> fired another goal. <laughs> I can't with names. Okay, so Kulisovski yeah. <laughs> fired another goal, completing an absolutely beautiful turnaround for the Spurs. Out of hope for equalizing the game, Sheffield was becoming aggressive, which resulted in McBurney re- receiving a red card. It was a very dramatic win for the Spurs and a very unex- and very unexpected once the 90th minute came around. 
I think Sheffield started to slack, knowing they basically won the game in the 90th minute. However, mm-hmm. Spurs really pushed and kept their momentum to take the three points back to the table. So my so-called underachieving team is in second right now and just two points behind City. The Spurs are really shocking fans everywhere. Yeah, Spurs give me a little scare in this game. I'm not going to lie, but wow, they really wanted the game. I, if this was Spurs last season, we would not see this comeback. Not at all. Like, I think Spurs found their manager, Postacoglu. He's like, they're they're fun to watch. Honestly, and and like we've mentioned before, I feel like they depended a lot on Harry Kane. Yes. So now they kind of spread their wings. Mm -hmm. So like when they they uh when they had um what's his name Conte as a manager and Pochettino like. It was very defensive, and they looked very bored, maybe kind of, like, depressed. It looked very, like, robotic, because they were just kind of do, yes. their, do what, you, do what but, you have to do and then go. Yeah, now they look like they, they're flourishing. Like, Postacoglu mm-hmm. won manager of the month in the Premier League, and James Madison <laughs> won player of the month. It's crazy how they're two points behind City. It honestly is. I mean, I don't think that they're going to beat City, no. but they're cutting really close. If they keep up this pace, they'll definitely be maybe title contenders, maybe like second, third place. Mm-hmm, for sure. Manchester United played Brighton and Hove at United's home stadium, Old Trafford. Even with United having a home field advantage, they still managed to lose 3-1. to one. Looking at the stats, everything was pretty even, including the shots taken. But as we know, it's finishing the shots that matter. Brighton scored in the 20th, 53rd, and 71st minute before United scored their first goal in the 73rd minute by substitute Hannibal. Manchester United needed to have needed Brighton to score three whole goals before we could see even one goal scored by United. The reason Manchester United had lost, at least in my opinion, is because the Seagulls finished their chances while the Red Devils failed to do that constantly. Unlike United, Brighton simply took their chances. Three great chances resulted in three great goals. We also saw once Hannibal and Anthony Marshall were substituted, they push, they, the push for the goal became greater. It seemed like a desperate attempt for a goal, and honestly, once Marshall stepped foot on the field, he was absent for the rest of the game. I didn't really see him that much playing. He didn't really make an impact once he was substituted. Yeah, Besides. So- Oh, oh, sorry. No, 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 go ahead. Go, 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 go. All right. So besides the starting 11, United doesn't have quality players they can rely on Mm-mm. constantly. Maybe bar Alejandro Garnacho, but he entered the frame too late. Bottom line is individuals on the team are not report, not performing. It's very difficult to see where their goals are coming from. Marcus Rashford did have an impressive first half, but other than that, no other member on the team seemed to step up. No. Old Trafford is no longer a fortress for them. They had it like isn't. they had one of the best home records, and now Brighton took it away. I mean, even last season, first game, Brighton beat them at home too, and mm-hmm. Brighton ran absolutely riot. Oh my gosh! The first half, Man United did like didn't play that bad. I would they say didn't. they didn't. But when second half came around, they could not get the ball back. Oh they my! Were- it was horrendous. They could not keep possession. And no. some people are saying that like Manchester United can rely on Rasmus Hoyland. 
However, you have to remember that he's literally 20 years old. Like, you can't just rely on one player. No. Never mind a 20-year-old. And, like, ultimately, Eric Tenhag got it all wrong. Like, he decided to line up with a new system, which looked, like, really great to begin with in the first half. But quickly, you found out that, like, Eric Tenhag doing this was wrong. No. Like, Brighton controlled the game. And if Tenhag keeps this up, like, we should expect to see a lot of defeat on his shoulders. I'm not surprised they lost, though. I'm going to be honest with you. They haven't started off well this season at all. They only have two wins out of five. And all of their off-the-field problems, like we have Sancho, which we'll get to later. We have mm-hmm. the, and the Anthony, um, uh, he has some domestic abuse claims against him, and he won't be playing. And Harry Maguire, we'll also get to later. And yeah. the, I think the injuries are massively <laughs> affecting them. Like, Definitely. no Shaw, no um, Malasia. You know, Lissandro Martinez came back from an injury, and they literally had to rely on one of their youngsters to score the one and only goal, which didn't even matter. When you have, they have, okay, they have good players. I'm not going to be honest. Like, they do. But when you have to rely on one of your youngsters to literally score one goal for you, that means nothing. That's horrible. Honestly, like, that one goal had to be scored. They had to really force it. After Brighton scored three whole goals, then they finally got one goal. I think we could maybe even, like, we look at Brighton's manager, right? We look at Roberto uh, De Zerbi, and he he is, like, the perfect fit for Brighton. Like, Mm -hmm. when Brighton had Graham Potter, yeah, they looked good, but um, De Zerbi really kept that consistency, and they are, like, running over these huge teams, and they don't have, like, world-class players. Like, I think maybe we have to take a look at Ten Hag and ask if he's, like, the right manager. Like, he's so deluded. Every single game they played this season, he said that they're unlucky and they should have won. The fact is, you let down and played horrible. Okay, the Wolves game, right? First game of the season, he believed that the Onana challenge was not a penalty, even that, even though Onana like tackled the Wolves player down, like it's the NFL. During the Arsenal game, he believed that Garnacho's goal should have stood. And it was offside, and he was saying how it's the wrong angle. Well, if you take any other one, it's still going to show you that he was offside. And he also said uh, during the Arsenal game that they should have got a penalty, but it was it's, it was very light. <laughs> exactly. And at first, you could be saying, like, oh, maybe he's right, maybe some things were wrong, but he's just constantly making excuse for his like, poor stop. judgment on his team. Like, he either needs bad. to step it up, or, yeah, or say they played bad. Like, also, um, yesterday, Saturday, he believed that the Hoyland goal should have stood when it literally showed the ball was completely out of bounds. Like, stop. Not, no one's going to change the rules for you. Honestly, and I wonder what he's going to say about this game. Because, like, what's he going to say? Oh, it was out of bounds. We should have gotten, like, another penalty or a goal. Okay, but that still wouldn't have changed the outcome. It was 3-1. to one. You can't constantly make excuses for your team because you have, like, poor judgment on them, especially with all the drama that's going on. Yeah, like, you know, you he's trying to defend his players, but, like, when you're just, like, lying and making excuses, mm-hmm. you're not get, You're going to be out. Like, you have to perform. If they play bad, say, we didn't play, da-da-da-da-da. Like, you can't just say, 
like make excuses that you should have won even when you clearly weren't mm-hmm. he just has to come out and say that we failed to perform and that's it yeah and work harder at it mm-hmm. like lift this player's spirits up because this is manchester united it is like you can't play amateurly every week or else you're gonna be out or you can't just rely on like the luck of the game no, to win. No, definitely you not. To, like you really need to perform, especially since you're Manchester United, yeah. one of the top teams. Well, supposed to be top teams. Like for Ajax, right? He looked amazing, right? And mm-hmm. everyone thought he was gonna be like this, like amazing manager because he played so well at Ajax. Da da da. But he came here. I think we realized that. He realized that. You know, there's more intensity. There's more pressure here. Exactly. The Sancho Ten Hag standoff is continuing at Manchester United as Jaden Sancho removed his controversial social media post in which he claimed he was made a scapegoat by Eric Ten Hag. The message was pinned to the top of of his former Twitter now X account, but was removed. 90 Minutes says that uni- the United management, coaching staff, and teammates have advised Sancho to remove the post. Monday was the first time Sancho met up with Eric Tenag after this all unfolded. Thursday, Men United released a short statement saying Sancho will now train alone, and now Eric Tenag is demanding an apology from Sancho, but Sancho is standing his ground and he is refusing. Kayla. What is going on? <laughs> so, as you said, Jaden Sancho removed his social media posts that um, responded to Eric Ten Hag. And honestly, I think Sancho did the right thing to defend himself. However, he had the chance to apologize for his words, but didn't take it and is now forced to train away from United. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it wouldn't be such a big issue if he just kindly voiced what, he, what, what Ten Hag said was untrue rather than quickly responding out of anger. Like, since he's still young, I believe that he didn't really think before he posted his opinion or um, defense against Eric Tenag. And I do agree that he has the right to defend himself. But if he, like, maybe considered his words a little bit more, Tenag might have not wanted an apology. He might have rather considered a compromise. Yeah, so I, I think me and you were kind of advocates for his social media mm-hmm. posts, but now he needs to apologize. Like, because yep. what he did, it was controversial. I'm not going to lie, but Eric Ten Hag should also apologize. I don't know. Maybe he did. I don't know. Yep. But if he didn't, I mean, if he did, then Sancho does have to apologize because the manager apologized. Now he has to apologize. He can't play this game. Street. Yeah, he can't play this game. And he can't. I thought the statement was the correct decision to put out, but, you know, like, letting someone lie shouldn't be tolerated. Even mm-hmm. if it is the authority, everyone's saying that he has to respect the authority, that it, you can't, like, say anything against the manager. But, you know, if the authority is saying something completely untrue, he could, the manager, the authority could literally ruin your reputation and you can't mm-hmm. fix it. Exactly. So I agree with what you said. He does have the right to put out the post. Yes. But like I said, maybe he should have been a little bit more nicer so they wouldn't have to be forced to apologize rather yeah. than have that like um, or, compromise or, or even both of them apologizing. Or or maybe even he didn't have to maybe post something on social media. He could have went to the manager in private and talked mm-hmm. about it. You At know, least defend yourself. You had the but, whole... Go ahead. Sorry, but um, also if you just went to the manager in private... 
but people wouldn't know. They think that it's true and it could tarnish his reputation. No, but even so I can understand both sides. Even Eric Tanak, he did not have to say what he said about Jane Sancho after the Arsenal game. He could have completely ignored the question or said like, "Oh, we left him out because like something else." Like you, mm-hmm. you could have ignored it. You could have like dealt with it in a different way. But he literally lied in saying that he was training not well. Exactly. And there's obviously going to be one winner in this standoff, and it's obviously going to be Eric Tanag because he mm-hmm. is the manager, but um, he cannot let a player challenge his authority and let it slide. Like, mm-hmm. we saw it with Ronaldo. Um, he, <laughs> I mean, he took advantage of that, and if, if, they, if this means that Jane Sancho has to leave, then, like, literally so be it, because right now, not apologizing is going to cause him more problems. Exactly. Like, if you did apologize, maybe you would play again. But now there's a bunch of stories out that he literally might not even play for the club again. And we'll probably see him out in January. Yep. And like he's like you said, like, you put out that... Um, Eric Tenag put out that response, like, oh, he wasn't performing. Yeah. Well, what do you expect? Like, of course, it's going to turn into this one whole big drama issue. It's the media. Of course, people are going to like quickly jump on that and be like, oh, he's like um, saying things about Jaden Sancho. Jaden Sancho responded. Yeah. So it just causes, like, yeah, like you said, Jaden Sancho is probably going to be gone and never play again for United. Even if he does apologize, he might not play for like the rest of the season, even out of it, spite or something. It's, it's sad because he's literally 23 years old <laughs> and he maybe he just ruined his career by not apologizing exactly so following england's friendly clash with scotland this week garrett southgate responded to all the hate mcguire is getting by basically saying enough is enough um he he's not happy with mcguire's treatment by the fans he has called the criticism a joke Maguire responded to the hate saying, relax, I can handle it, it doesn't bother me. Kayla, have England fans gone too far with the Maguire hate? So, as you said, previous Manchester United captain and England starter Harry Maguire has been receiving a lot of hate from mm-hmm. his so-called fans. He had an, he had, He's had amazing form, like, over the years, a few years ago. Oh, yeah. And it has decreased so oh. much. <laughs> and actually, I would say pretty rapidly, too. Yes. And his lack of game time at United opens my eyes and makes me wonder why Southgate starts him. Mm-hmm. And it's difficult to say what I'm about to say because the only reason I started liking Manchester United in the England squad is because of Harry Maguire. But some of the hate that he is receiving is true. Some people have gone a little far, Yeah. But it doesn't mean that they are wrong. Harry Maguire simply just fell off his pedestal. Yeah, so he lost all his confidence. Mm-hmm. He um has become like this laughing stock. He should have left Man United in the summer to rebuild himself, but he didn't. Um, oh. he could have gone to West Ham, but I think I'm pretty sure that deal fell through. And <laughs> I am not liking Gary Southgate anymore. <laughs> He thinks that he's doing Harry Maguire a favor by playing him, but he's not. Do not bring a player in who has not played for um their club. He's not fit. Like we saw the Scotland own goal he got. He could not lift up his feet. Exactly. He could not lift up his feet. And Southgate says he'll always pick people on form, but he's not. You bring in Harry Maguire. You bring in Calvin Phillips <laughs> and Jordan Henderson, who went to Saudi Arabia and is basically 
in the retirement league. He's done with his career. What have they done recently? I don't remember last time Calvin Phillips even played. Maybe t- like twenty twenty Euros. Yep, exactly. And like you said, like he said, he's basing it off of form. But how can he even base like Harry Maguire off of form when he hasn't played and he literally got revoked from his captain's position? Like, yes. that means his form is getting worse. That like, he literally got his captain's captain's position taken away. Like, it doesn't make sense how Southgate is saying that he's using people off of form and how they're like in game time and things. But mm-hmm. there's Calvin Phillips and Harry Maguire. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, Southgate thinks he's making the correct decision by giving him a chance, but you're literally setting him up for failure and more people are going to be laughing at him because he, he's not fit and he can't perform. Pep Guardiola came back after his back surgery to see Manchester City come behind to beat West Ham in a thrilling 1-3 to three, one, <laughs> one <to three> win. <laughs> City pressed West Ham very early, but James Ward-Prowse broke the deadlock with a diving header just after the hour. Within a minute of the second half, Jeremy Doku scored his first City goal, dancing past Kufel, curling the ball into the far corner. Bernardo Silva touched the ball over the line after a lob pass from Julian Alvarez in the 76th minute for the second goal. And of course, Erling Haaland got his goal. He knocked it in, knocked the third one in, extending City's perfect start to the Premier League season. This was a game of many chances. It could have been 6-6. It was such a thrilling game to watch. Like, Ariola and Ederson were my man of the matches. Like, I could not differentiate between both of them. It was a very back-and-forth game. And Julian Alvarez is, like, impossible to take off the field. You cannot drop him. He looks incredible. Free kick and an assist. You know, they have, like, there's not a team in the Premier League that Julian Alvarez won't walk into. Like, he is City's mm-hmm. second-choice goalkeeper, but anywhere else in the Prem, he could literally be number one. And Champions League starts this week, and City are continuing to look bright. Yeah. Like, City is looking amazing this week, as always. Mm-hmm. They don't seem to be slacking on form at all. And to see how far the success will get them is really going to surprise me. But I am worried that City players may get a little bit too cocky knowing how amazing they are doing. But I do also believe that Pep Guardiola will keep them in line. Yeah, I've actually, that's actually, I have not heard anyone say that yet. Wow, that they might get too cocky. I think they're one of the favorites for the Champions League, definitely. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the treble is hard to repeat. But right now, it looks like it could be done. It could be if they don't let the positive comments get to their heads. Yep. And they're not like, oh, this is an easy game. I'll just play whatever. Like, no, they have to perform every single time. And like I said, Pep Guardiola, I think he will be able to keep them in line. Oh, definitely. Pep is the best manager in the world and he'll definitely keep them grounded. <laughs> Newcastle and their three-match loss streak uh, with just getting by Brentford 1-0. The one and only goal came just after the hour with Anthony Gordon drawing a penalty after being brought down by Mark Flecken and Callum Wilson converting the penalty, giving the Magpies the win and giving Brentford their first loss of the season. Okay, Newcastle have been very inconsistent this season, and they still maybe do look inconsistent. Uh, mm-hmm. This is not the Newcastle of last season at all. The Newcastle of last season was incredible. They overachieved, and it's not looking like that. 
this season. I think maybe we'll talk about this a little later, but maybe Champions League is getting to their head. Maybe they're maybe. getting a bit scared. Um, the first half was very boring. Um, I watched this game and I'm like, no, it was very boring. There was nothing interesting coming from Newcastle. Um, and it's kind of concerning because Newcastle have their first Champions League game against AC Milan on Tuesday. Sandro Tonali's old team. I'm very excited to see that. And if they don't, you know, pick themselves up, they literally will not stand a chance at the San Zero. They'll get knocked out in the group stages of the Champions League and maybe even, like, fall to the bottom uh the bottom places of the Premier League yeah. table. And like you said about Milan versus Newcastle, it's coming up. It's like it's a good matchup if Newcastle still had their form from last oh, season. Yeah, then- but like looking how it's they're looking in the Premier League, I think Milan will win. Yeah, and they are in the group of death. Um yep. PSG, Dortmund, Milan. Yeah, if they continue this they're, they're ending like the bottom of the group. Like I'm calling it right now. There is no way. Blue Sunday at Vitality Stadium, where Chelsea's congested start to the season continues when Bournemouth held them to a nil-nil draw. Uh, Mercy Pochettino kept his faith in Nicholas Jackson as Chelsea's growing injury list continues, with Moises Caicedo picking up an uh, injury during the international break and Romeo Lavia uh, sidelined with a very lengthy injury. Chelsea had many opportunities in this game. Surprisingly, Raheem Sterling um, had a chance uh, in 10 minute mark. And then later, Mikhailo Mudrick and Nicholas Jackson combined, but missed right at the edge. Um, uh, Bournemouth also had a chance. Uh, Diego Altara uh, had a chance to open the scoring the, on 20 minutes, but hit the back post and was smothered by Robert Sanchez. Connor Gallagher um, also had a chance. Um, he forced <laughs> an amazing save from Neto. And in the second half, Chelsea thought they scored just after three minutes, but Levi Colwell was offside after Raheem Sterling hit the post with a free kick. Uh, Bournemouth also had one last golden chance with 12 minutes to go, but Dominic Slinky's effort was saved by Sanchez's legs. Um, Chelsea really should have won this game. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> they they had chances. They, they just can't capitalize on them. Yep. And... It's obviously so concerning because it is Chelsea. And if they literally continue to play like this, um, like, I don't even know what to say. Like, they're just pos- not gonna. Sorry, go on. No, go. I was gonna say, like, they're just not gonna um, rise up on the table if they continue just to even bring back, like, one point, zero to zero. Like, I at least expected it to be one zero, considering how self selfie Chelsea, <laughs> how, how Chelsea is like supposed to play. They're expected to be great, yet they're not, and they haven't been. Yeah, like they're gonna get Pochettino fired. Yeah, <laughs> and literally Pochettino, um, in his uh after match interview, he literally says to the Chelsea fans, "I don't know what to say anymore," because you're doing all you can. It's 
the players because Todd mm-hmm. Bowley decides to make himself um what's oh my gosh the 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 the, the transfer guy I literally forgot the name of that oh I forgot the name of those two wait wait <laughs> <laughs> okay well the transfer guy he, he yeah. decides he's gonna make all the transfers right and he brings in these players that have no need we do not need them the youngsters who are not needed right now. Like obviously, I think I think Chelsea have some of the best youngsters in the Premier League, maybe the best. But mm-hmm. you need players right now. I literally, I think I say that every single episode. Oh yeah, like you, need- we, you cannot stress it enough that they need players right now. Like they they might be amazing in the future, but if they train the youngsters correctly. Yeah, it's like um, I just like I don't even know what to say. Like I'm okay. I- I'm going to be honest, I got to a point where Chelsea, where I'm happy with at least getting one point from the 0-0 zero, zero mm-hmm. draw. Which I'm, is sad that you you are happy that you got one point from Chelsea. Yeah. An amazing club. You're happy you got one point. Yes, because it's, like, annoying. Like, I'm not even surprised anymore. I'm, like, every single game they play, I literally think they're going to lose. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so bad. Yes, because... Okay, we go back to 1999. We go back to the Jose Mourinho days. Incredible. Like, they were one of the best teams in the world, maybe the best. Mm-hmm. And now they're literally ruining their legacy and reputation. <laughs> yeah, it's happening with a lot of the big teams, like Chelsea, Manchester United. Liverpool is getting back up on their feet, but last season it looked as if they were falling too. Yeah, I think every... Club has a season where they go through a tough period, but this is Chelsea's second already. Mm-hmm. So second in a row. It's it's horrible. I need them to pick themselves up. I every Chelsea player needs them to pick themselves up because literally we're sad. We're like depressed over here. <laughs> because it's so boring. Also, Arsenal played Everton at Goodison Park and ended their three game losing streak against the Toffees zero to one. Trussard scored in the 69th minute early in the second half. Looking at the lineups, we see that David Raya started in place of Ramsdale. Most likely because Ramsdale was on was at international duty. We also finally see Kai Havertz didn't start. Arteta, he wasn't like he saw that Kai wasn't performing and made the right decision to pull him from the starting lineup. And honestly, I'm not entirely surprised that Raya started, considering Arteta does strive for excellence. <laughs> Um, I'm not hating on Ramsdale, like, at all. But Come on, Kayla. Just, I'm not. I love Ramsdale. I love him. He's great for Arsenal. But maybe Arteta just wanted to see how Raya was playing, considering he can also be an amazing goalie. And the score was 0-1 to against Everton. Arsenal against Everton. Everton has not been performing at all this season. They Arsenal, I expected more from them. I honestly did this season. But seeing how, like... How they've been playing zero to one makes sense, but I, I was expecting if I if this was like the first game of the Premier League season this year, um, I would expect like three to zero. Yeah, I think it was a very narrow win. Let's just say mm-hmm. that, and it was the second half and like towards the end of the game. Um, you 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 can't really say anything because they did win. They did get three points, but um. <laughs> They do keep their pace at the top of the table, and you can't really say anything else about that because they did win. Mm-hmm. They did. They did win, they, and I'm happy for that. It's just not what I expected considering and their they performance. Had, yeah, they had over seventy percent possession. So yeah, 
I guess I mean you can't really say anything anymore. But Ramsdale, Kayla, come on now, <laughs> you can't throw no, him under I, the bus like that. I love him, but if if the reason he didn't miss the game was wasn't because of international duty, then I am expecting it because Arteta just wanted to see how um, Raya played, just for that sole reason, not because he thinks. Uh, Ramsdale's underachieving. No, he just wanted to see because he has two amazing goalies that he can play. I see. I personally do not think it is the right decision to put like uh, bring in two number one goalkeepers. Um, I know on Sky Sports they were saying how um goalkeepers also need competition, but if you have a goalkeeper. A new goalkeeper in every single week switching out, they're not going to be used to the players. The players are not going to be used to the goalkeeper and just going to be an absolute, like, travesty at the back. Mm-hmm. No, I understand that. And I agree with that he probably maybe shouldn't have brought in two world cl- not world-class, but, like, amazing goalies. But also I can see why he did it because if one of them gets injured – he has a really great one to back up. It's honestly a lot of controversy that can go around it. Like I can't I don't have a set opinion on the two goalies. I just oh, I am very Ramsdale <laughs> backing here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Champions League returns this week, Tuesday and Wednesday. And some of the big games that are coming up this week are, of course, like we said before, Milan and Newcastle at the San Siro. Um Milan is winning this, period. I oh, do yeah. not see Newcastle even getting a goal in this game. Um, PSG versus Dortmund, another one. I think maybe PSG will come away with this because Dortmund have had a shaky start to the season. City have a very easy matchup with, um, let me pronounce his name, Kraven Zvezda. <laughs> they're, yeah, they're winning. I'm just, <laughs> City have one of the easiest groups and just going to be a cakewalk yeah. for them. Like They're going to be in the final maybe. Um, Barcelona are taking on Antwerp. I think Barcelona also is a good chance. Um, oh, Real Madrid are taking on Union Berlin. It's maybe they have maybe a bigger task to do, but I think Madrid with Jude Bellingham, they're gonna take this one away. And Jude, now, Bellingham, Jude Bellingham, he's been incredible recently, like absolutely incredible. Yeah, and I maybe. He's one of the best defenders in the world at the moment. Maybe the best. But you don't mm-hmm. want to say anything too early because he's literally no. 20. But he is, oh my gosh, incredible. Like, Vinicius mm-hmm. Jr. is getting jealous. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, he's like he's such like a showstopper when he's on the field. He knows what he's doing when he gets the ball. And even though there's so much pressure on him, he has enough time. He's relaxed. He can think of what his next move is. Mm-hmm. And you can really tell he's like he's been practicing really hard during training. But you know what is so scary? He looks, like you said, he looks amazing. He looks like he's been doing this for like, like tw- 20 years. I mean, yeah, he is well, 20. Yeah. But like, I'm talking about he looks so experienced. He looks he like, but he's 20. And he's playing better than some of these other midfielders. Honestly. Uh, Arsenal are taking on PSV Eindhoven. Uh, I think this is a rather fair matchup. But maybe Arsenal will just get the edge on this game. And Bayern Munich versus <laughs> Man 
Manchester United at um what's the Bayern Munich Stadium? The Allianz Arena. Yeah. Kayla, what? <laughs> There's no chance, huh? There. Okay. Unless they get really, really lucky, (laughs) it would have to be pure luck for Manchester United to win this. Or they keep their form from how it was in the Sir Alex days. But other than that, Manchester United, I don't see them winning this, like, at all. And and just remember, Bayern Munich have Harry Kane. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And since it's away at Bayern, um, and Manchester United have been very wonky... Let's just say yeah. that to be nice. Um, it's gonna They've been be... slacking. Oh yeah, definitely. It's gonna be very tough. Like the atmosphere at the Allianz Arena is incredible, and I think it will maybe get to United because they don't have a lot of their main players. Like we talked about, um, Anthony mm-hmm. he 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 cannot play. Um, Shaw injured, Masia injured, and just they have been just off like we said earlier so i think they're not gonna win if bayern don't win i'm gonna be raging (laughs) it's gonna be such a shocker i mean i'll be so happy but it's gonna be such a shocker but like it won't be deserved because literally if you look Mm -mm. on this on paper talking about form now bayern munich is supposed to win this game 100 percent. oh yeah and I would be so happy if Manchester United wins this. But honestly, I don't see it happening. Their form is so bad. And Byers has been, like, great recently. So And they have Harry Kane. <laughs> yeah, they have Harry Kane. And Manchester United, well, they have Rashford, but he's not very constant this season. No. Um, so with all that being said, that wraps up today's episode. Thank you everyone for joining us. Tune in next week and don't forget to follow us on our Instagram and YouTube at Very Factual Podcast. <laughs>